Welcome to the Church at Bradenton podcast, where we are finding strength for today, hope for the future, and the courageous joy to bring others along. Let's join our pastor and church family as we share teachings rooted in God's Word from our weekend gatherings. Good morning, TCAB family. Here in the house and all of our family online as well, would you stand, whether you are at home or here in the house, stand for the reading of God's Word, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. So this morning, here's where we will be heading in just a little bit in God's word. God has always gathered his people. We've talked a lot about, as a matter of fact, we are experiencing right now more large church worship that has expanded more than ever in the last uh, decade and and beyond to an online family, and we're we're loving that. So, So there's the large group gathering that's always been and always will be a God thing, but there's something special about smaller groups from the original New Testament small group known as Jesus and his disciples meeting together in upper rooms and in gardens and on mountainsides and down by the seashore. To all of the references that we see throughout the book of Acts, which is the story of the New Testament church, meeting in, say, Lydia's home or the Philippian jailer's home and house after house and venue after venue, and then down throughout church history all the way to today. God has been gathering his people, not just in large groups, but in smaller groups with a purpose. Now, The enemy has never been too happy about this. And in the last 10 years in the Western church, there's been a decline, a decline in big church, large gathering attendance, and a decline, especially in small group attendance, even though small groups have kind of had a a revival, a renaissance, and of course, then the last couple of years, right? And everything that the enemy has been throwing at God's people, at followers of Jesus Christ, at the local church to try to keep us um, separated and divided and sequestered, whatever the name for it is, it's just not good. So much so that for those of us that had any taste of not doing life together in groups, the enemy began to whisper something and unfortunately there's been quite a bit of buy-in to it. It's in the form of, of... of a question. Why why do I need to gather in a group? 
mean, I read my Bible and, and, and I pray uh, daily. Okay, well, maybe not daily, but I read my Bible and, and, and I pray. Why would I need to gather? Why is it still important for followers of Jesus to gather? Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, as we see a snapshot of life gathered in groups, groups large and groups small, God gathering his people. So we're asking and we're answering the question this morning, why, why should I gather in a group? And, and specifically talking about how God has always gathered his, his people, Jesus' followers, in smaller groups, whether it just has kind of happened naturally supernaturally down throughout church history or down throughout more recent church history, we've, we've kind of gotten intentional about it, purposeful about it, created things um, called small groups and in the 80s, uh, cell groups and, and then life groups and we call them connect groups. doesn't matter what you call them. Gathering God's people, not just in, in large groups, but in smaller groups to just really, really go there life in Christ. So why? And before going any further, I just want to say to our, on, our faithful online family, those that are faithful here in the house, there's a sense in which I know that I am preaching to the choir uh, because you are here. And as I look out here, as, as I look online and I see those that are online, what, what I know is that so many of you are already living out what we are talking about here in the first reason why we specifically as followers of Jesus Christ, why it is that we gather, why we should gather more than ever. Number one, because we are devoted. It, it simply says, and they devoted themselves. I, I didn't want to miss this. For some of you that have been around here a while, you, you'll recognize this because we've covered it before. Some of you are, are newer, but this is absolutely fundamental right here at the beginning of this snapshot. You can find the same kind of snapshot in Acts chapter 4 as well, beginning in verse 32. But they devoted themselves. Now, now the word in the Greek, the, the word that, that God chose to put this word into originally for devotion is proskar tereo. Say that 10 times fast, okay? Proskar tereo. And, and it, it, it simply means this, and, and I love this. My, my favorite definition of this, check this out, to attend assiduously. Right? Attend assiduously. And, and as I've shared with you before, and, and since the last time we covered this word, I've done a little bit more research, and I'm still not sure what assiduous means, but whatever it means, it's serious. I mean, you just say the word, assiduous, and, and it's, it's, kind of, uh, it's kind of serious. It means into it. It means all about it. If I had a thing, if, if there was a thing, if anybody asked me, hey, what are you into? I, I would say this thing because I am assiduously, I am totally into 
this. And I would suggest to us, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, that we are supposed to be attending assiduously all about Jesus Christ, His kingdom come, His will be done right here, right now, as it is in heaven. That's not easy. Well, it's, it's easy, right? And, and I've had this discussion, my goodness, for decades from time to time. And it, it's very fair to, to make the statement or, or, or maybe phrase it in the form of a question, you know, Pastor, isn't it kind of easier for you to be all about it and all into Jesus and all into the local church and what God's doing um, because that's your vocation, it, it's your occupation? And my answer to that is very simple. Yes, it, it absolutely is. And no, it absolutely is not. It absolutely is not. And, and it is at the same time. I would challenge us with this thought as Jesus followers, regardless of what our occupation is, I would ask you, what is your preoccupation? Because our preoccupations, um, and, and we all are preoccupied, all of us have a, 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 a job, a, a, a vocation, something that we're doing. But how many of you have ever totally, just, just completely, you've been completely somewhere else, even though you, you're doing that thing that you're doing, you're there, you're functioning, you're getting it done, but your mind, your heart is somewhere else. Am, am I the only one? right? And, 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 and so we're, we're multitasking. I'm doing this. My mind and my heart are preoccupied with something else. What I would suggest to us as followers of Jesus is that regardless of occupation, our preoccupation is Jesus Christ and what he is doing in and through his local very body, his church. We do this in sacred communion. Communion. This is harder than ever because the world is, is, has, has always been right there, right? All around us, we are in the world and not of it, but it has never been easier to be into whatever that is, be preoccupied with anything and everything because it's, it's right here. And I may not be able to just physically do what it is that I'm into, but I can follow people that, that, that are doing it right now until I can actually get into it and have fun with it. And, and, and I'm just, I'm preoccupied with this world that is in my face and at my fingertips. It's never been easier. James, Jesus' brother, spoke, spoke to this. James chapter 4, turn there with me if you will. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. And let me just come right down the middle on this. James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Adulterous people, let me pause right there. Um, James is talking to those who are trading a relationship with the world for a, a relationship with Jesus, even while paying lip service 
as someone that is proskartereo, fully devoted, all in and completely preoccupied with Jesus. Uh, with with Jesus, he's he's saying, in reality, your heart and mind are with somebody else. And isn't that where all adulterates, uh, adulterous relationships begin? Your, your mind and your heart begin with someone, something else. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the Scripture says... He yearns, the, the Lord yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but, praise God, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And on and on he says, get serious about this. If you, have to, if you have to be wretched, if you have to mourn, if you have to weep because you're giving up some things in the world in order to draw near to God and, and to be completely and totally preoccupied with Jesus and his kingdom, then that, that mourning, it, I, I promise, he says, it will be turned into laughter. Make the trade the things of the world for the things of God, and you will never, ever regret making that trade draw near. Draw. In other words, the people James was writing to who were all about Jesus were completely and totally preoccupied with him and what is on the, the heart and the minds of our master. And, and getting together all the time, here and there and everywhere in the marketplace and downtown and it just any in groups has always been a way of helping us to stay preoccupied with the things of Jesus and his local church. Hence, connect groups. Let me cover real quick the groups that we've got going that, that you can uh, check out online for those of you that are in the house uh, afterwards, uh, one of our uh, uh, Connect Group leaders, Ron and Alicia Blunden, are, are hosting the kiosk out in the lobby today so you can uh, uh, meet up with them. They can sign you up or you just simply go online at tcab.church and go to Connect and just follow the very simple instructions. Here's what we've got going starting on the 26th. Speaking of Ron and Alicia, they are leading a empty nesters, not as young as we used to be, group of followers of Jesus. And we'll be meeting in the gathering place every other Sunday starting on the 26th. And they're going to be diving into um, James, actually, what we were just reading from Later on on Sunday, every Sunday for eight weeks, Rebuilding Your Broken World with, with Mitch and Stephanie Moore. Uh, shout out to Mitch and Stephanie there this morning. Um, they, they know a little bit about this, about rebuilding a, a broken world and dealing with tragedy. If this has been you in the, in the distant past or more recently, then you want to gather around God's word with Mitch and Stephanie on Sunday evenings, also in the gathering place. Let's see. 
Tuesday evenings, we have a women's group uh, that meets in the home of Sherry Troutman. Sherry has just been doing this. She's been doing this. I think it's been, it's, it's been more than 15 years. And so they're going to be uh, gathering and doing a Max Licato study in the grip of grace. And so ladies, you can sign up uh, for this. Get in contact with Sherry. She'll give you directions to her house and join in there. Also on Tuesday evenings, younger ladies, Madeline Pelt uh, will be leading a small group study for teenage girls simply called Dare Greatly. Young ladies, I dare you to sign up. You're going to love this. I have one word for you, one word for you. Scones. Scarce have I uttered a more spiritual word. If you've ever had one of my daughter-in-law's scones, especially the, 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 the white chocolate cranberry scones, it is, it is a spiritual experience, and I don't want you to miss out on it. So uh, teenage girls sign up for that. Uh, let's see. And then, and then Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights, they just work for us right now. And we're going to expand and we're going to grow. And we may not, may not always be kind of focused in and got a lot of things going on Wednesday night. But, but we do for now and we will for a season. And Wednesday nights. So Wednesday nights, um, Andrew, uh, Pastor Andrew, Madeline's husband, is, is leading our student ministries. And, and so they meet here on campus. By the way, we have child care for everyone joining groups on Wednesday night. Um, and we have, so we've got student ministries going. And then we have parenting through the phases of life, which is, which is just kind of very much, uh, what, what is the word, a euphemism for grinding it out uh, until you about lose your mind, uh, hoping the kids will grow out of this stage group. Is that accurately describe it, parents? All right. And, and they're going to be meeting. Actually, this, there's a big room right over here uh, off of the platform. And you can meet there with Pastor Sarah, our uh, TCAB Kids pastor. Walk with others that are learning how to survive, parent through the phases. And then my uh, absolutely drop-dead gorgeous and brilliant wife, Elizabeth. I know you're going to hate me for that, babe is leading a group uh, on the life of Gideon, a life of, of, uh, of faith and uh, trial and, and challenge and ultimate victory. Uh, this is a women's group, and they meet in the gathering place as well on, on Wednesday nights. And then, men, it's time to step up. Men of God, it is time to rise up. And for us and for our house, we're going to answer that call to step up. And so we're beginning as a men's small group. I'm, I'm blessed by you, by this church that built a long, long time ago, a very large study uh, for their pastors. So we'll meet together in my study and we will talk about from God's word what it means to be real men of God and to humbly take our place of leadership in the home and in the church and in the community. And I'm excited about that. And by the way, uh, on October uh, 2nd, Saturday, October 2nd, we're going to have a men's prayer breakfast. It's going to be in the gathering place. And then we're, we're going to roll up our sleeves, gentlemen, and we're going to work on this beautiful campus that God has entrusted to us. We're going to clean up the shelter house together, do some repairs over there because we plan on using the shelter house a whole lot more 
for a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of faith building this fall. Groups, get into them. Get into them. Get into them. Why? Because it helps us be proskartoreo. It helps us be completely preoccupied with Jesus and the things of his kingdom when we are connected to other people who are also attending assiduously to Jesus and his stuff and what he's into. We get into what he's into. And brothers and sisters, help us stay into what he's into. Let's move on. Secondly, because when we are in Jesus, we are devoted to the apostles' teaching and how it transforms us more into the image of Jesus Christ and connects us with his life and what he's into. So what did the apostles teach? Two things, two things quickly here. Two things. Number one, the apostles taught from experience. They taught from experience, and this is, this is incredible. We, we see a story in Acts chapter 4, and let me just summarize it for you. Peter and John, now full of the Holy Spirit, just could not stop themselves. Regardless of the fact that the Romans were in with the Jewish Sanhedrin, the leadership of the Jews, increasingly shutting up and shutting down, telling them they cannot meet as a government and how they could or how they couldn't meet, even if they did, especially if they're willing to pay up here and there to the tax collectors. And they told Peter and John, okay, enough is enough is enough. You cannot speak any more in the name of Jesus Christ. And they respond by saying this, you decide for yourselves to the Jewish Sanhedrin, the people that could, could stone them immediately, just, just say, okay, stoning. Or, or if they're wanting to, to, to play some gamesmanship, turn them over to Romans, trump up some false uh, charges, and, and, and let the Romans do their dirty work. Either way, stop it. Peter and John, decide for yourselves whether it's right for us to speak about the things that we have seen and we have heard. As for us, we cannot help ourselves. Talk about what? Talk about Jesus and the things that they had seen and heard and experienced in him and with him. It's called testimony. It's called witness. It's called, it's called story. We're, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. Speaking of the stories, the second thing that the apostles taught was called the oral tradition. What, what, what's, that, what's that a word uh, for? It, it's a word for the Bible, the stories of old. And the traditions that went along with it. And for them at the time, that, that meant the, the Pentateuch, the writings of Moses. It meant the poetic literature. It meant the prophets, the minor prophets, and, and the major prophets. And the hundreds and hundreds of stories that, that throughout the day, in the temple, but in house after house, after tent, after gathering, after gathering of God's people, they would gather after supper and before bedtime, and, and the patriarch of the family would say, I, I remember this one about Samson. Kids gather around. One of them says, oh, yeah, I love this one. I love this one. He tells the story. 
tells the story, which is simply a retelling and a retelling again of God's word, of God's word, of God's word. And then God began to speak his word more fully in the New Testament. And we have the gospels. Then we have all of Paul's letter and Peter's writing and James writing, the writer of Hebrews and John the revelator and more and more and more. They told, they told the story of Jesus and no greater story than the gospel of Jesus Christ. They told the stories. Why? Because stories stick. Jesus is a master of everything, the best at everything, and Jesus was a master storyteller. He said time and again, okay, okay, here's, here's what the church, here's what the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he would go into a story. You're connecting this, right? I mean, I'm telling you stories. We, we tell stories, but, but stories are even better told in smaller groups. But this much I do know, regardless, uh, stories have a way of, of sticking. Let me tell you a story that, that's going to stick. It's a story uh, about family. It's a story um, ab about uh, a trauma. Um, being scared to death. It, it, it's a story about life hanging in the balance all in and around the church. I have here a, a button. Marketing and in and, and, and organizational life, uh, whether secular or sacred, these were an important part. How many of you ever wore a button? Those of you that have been church people for a long time, you ever wore a button because something was going on at church and back in the day, we wanted everybody to wear the button, right? I still have this button from a campaign from like, like 16, 17 years ago. It just says worth it because whatever, you know, it, it takes, it's going to be worth it to do what God was doing in that church at that time. And I don't really think it was because of the button, but, but it, it worked and the God thing happened. Um, but going back, my goodness, uh, many, many years ago, mom, you can correct me on this later because uh, I know my mom and dad are watching from, from Nashville this morning, and probably 1974, 1975, right in there, I'm seven or eight years old, and my older brother, Steve, my older brother, Steve, um, who's now, uh, Steve's been a pastor and a bivocational pastor, he's a teaching elder uh, at his church and a full-time teacher as, as well, and it was vacation Bible school time, which meant free childcare for like all day, all evening for parents. And that's why it was so successful in, in the 70s and 80s. And, and vacation Bible school had happened and, and there were pins and, and we, we hadn't gotten there. Um, times were tough there in the 70s and 80s with, with inflation. And uh, so uh, the buttons then didn't have this, this little latch right there. You know, you can stick it up there so you're not sticking yourself all the time. We just had buttons. And I remember being in the kitchen and I remember Steve starting to gag. Why do you think Steve started to gag? Because Steve was really into it. He was taking in everything VBS had to offer, including the button itself. 
And so, and I'll be honest with you, I remember this story being told enough times that, that in my memory, mom, you'll have to correct me, we, we should have talked about this last night on the phone, but, but I don't remember if I'm remembering it so clearly because the story was told so often or because I was there in that moment and the story was told so often, but this story has always stuck with me because there's Steve choking on the church, I mean the VBS pin. And he could neither swallow it, praise God, because not a good situation. The outcome would not be good. And he couldn't get it up either. He just, just, and he's sitting there gagging and, it, and it's not as light and funny as I'm making it. In my mind, I'm, I'm terrified, I'm horrified. And mom yells out and, and dad comes over and, you know, trying to do what you do and you're, you're clueless. And do I bang the back? Do, do I do the, the Heimlich? What, what do I do? And nothing was, was working as Steve is, is gagging. And so my dad um, and a, a very, very a tall man, 6'5", and, and, and change really, really long fingers. Dad, knowing that it's now down here somewhere, um, Dad sticks his fingers down in Steve's mouth, down his throat, and feels around in there and finds the pin and finds the needle and, and, and braces it up against the side of Steve's throat and jams the needle underneath his fingernail and pulls it out. Dad, that's taking it for the team right there. Yeah, you can clap for dad. You, you can clap for my dad. Um, and, and again, Steve, Steve was, was fine. What's the point of the story? Don't swallow buttons. Praise the Lord, let's move on. Stories stick. You may not remember a thing from this morning's message, um, but you're going to remember that. Um, it was traumatic, it was real. The story could have turned out very different. Tell stories. Tell stories. One of the great old hymns of the faith simply says, Tell me the stories of Jesus right on my heart every word. Tell me those stories most precious, sweetest that ever were heard. Tell stories, tell stories of Jesus, of Jesus, of Jesus, because they have a way of making sacred communion what they need to be. Reason number three, because we're devoted to the fellowship the sacred communion of the saints. The word there is koinonia. And it means partnership and participation, but, but in the deepest sense, it means, it means a sacred communion. Here's, here's the magic of, of getting together in groups. And I know we feel it in the large group setting, and, and, and I'm loving it, and, and I'm loving it. But there, there is something when, when, when a few followers of Jesus gather together in, in deep sacred communion, because here's the deal. It's harder to be anonymous. It's harder to be anonymous in smaller groups. It, it just is. And, and we love, especially in, in a, a society in Western culture where we've been taught, even though we didn't know we were being taught this rugged individualism, 
and how much that has seeped into the body of Christ. And, and even if we do, we, we love our anonymity, right? Because we feel like in our anonymity, in, in, in our keeping just enough distance that, that I am, am safe. And at the very, at the very least, at the, well, anonymity. Here's some other words for anonymity that, that I wrote down. Detached, unengaged, isolated, and alone. And, and I get it. We're not all wired the same way. Some of you are people people, and some of you would say, you know, to be quite honest, I'm not a people person, but this goes beyond that. L- let's, l- let's just be honest. For all of us, it's easier to not be connected. At the very least, it's less complicated. Let, let me break it down for you this way. Why would anyone want to bring themselves in all the mess that is their life and gather it with all of the mess that is in other people's lives and talk about the mess? Why, why do that to yourself? Why do that to other people? It's just less complicated. It is easier to live life that way. It's not healthier. It's easier, but I promise that it's not healthier, and and it is simply not how God designed it to be. To be alone. Alone. Alone does not mean alone. It just means separated from other human beings, which I know sometimes feels like a good thing. But it really isn't. I want to go somewhere here this morning that we don't go enough in the Western church. Uh, we don't go there enough in Wesleyan uh, holiness circles that, that kind of uh, describe loosely uh, our heritage. You are never alone. Principalities and powers, spiritual principalities and powers are always present are always present and they're present in in two in two forces and in two very very real forms we see the 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 and and not in order of importance or in power mind you but we 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 see the first for our purposes described from cover to cover in in the word of god and specifically in ephesians chapter 6 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to take your stand against the devil's scheme. Having done everything, put it all on, you you stand against those forces. They have always been... And they are now, and increasingly so, the spiritual forces, the demonic forces of hell have been waging war for the souls of humankind. Your soul, the soul of your marriage, the soul of your children, the soul of this world. It is a lost cause but they'll take as many people down with them as superhumanly possible. And it's real. Those principalities, if you study this, and, 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 and I would encourage you not to study it, it, it too much. 
but to understand the enemy of our souls and how it's set up biblically and scripturally that there have been those uh, 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 read the, the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis read read Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Read this early when you feel like your kids are old enough to get into it and into the allegory of this spiritual warfare that is increasing and has never been more real. Thankfully, These forces, as real and as powerful as they are, as one of the songs that we worship to this morning declared, they they shudder in the presence of God and in the power of the holy ones of God. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have that great roll call of faith, all of those those, uh, faithful people that have gone on before. And I love the way Hebrews 12 begins. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run this race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. I will say to us today that although the spiritual realities of the demonic forces loosed on this earth going after the souls of of humankind, that the power of the Holy of God the saints of God, the angels of God, what you might say collectively are the hosts of heaven, have within themselves the very power of God and they are waging war all around us right now and they are fighting for you and they are fighting with you and they are cheering us on. It's real, it's real, it's real. We're going to talk about this more next week and in the month to come. Grandpa, grandma, mom and dad, pray over your homes. Pray over your spouse. Pray over your children. The battle is real. It's happening. And it is only God's mercy that does not reveal with our physical eyes the warfare that is going on right now in the real world, and that is the spiritual. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on to this, and, and we're going we're gonna to land this plane in just a couple of minutes. I've got to say something about this. I say a lot about this. I say a lot about our devices. I say a lot about, about technology. And it's, it's for one simple reason. And, and, and I can't stop as, as a messenger to you. I can't stop because it is where the world is, is, is living. I mean, people are living a, a life. It's, it's not very often their real life. It's not all of their life. And it's, and, it, and it's most often, not the, but they're living a virtual reality life. And here's what I want to say. If we are not attending assiduously, all about it, preoccupied with Jesus and what's going on in his kingdom and his kingdom in the life of our families and in the life of our church, then our devices become vices. They they are tools of the trade. And although they can be used in so many virtuous ways, like right now, 
as we worship together with friends and family from around the United States and some around the world. What a God thing. What a beautiful thing. But all too often, those principalities that are given governorship over spaces and, and places call to us and, and it scrolls through and it just pops up. And it is vice. And yet the Spirit is calling us into sacred communion. Don't let your devices become vices. And by all means, don't let the enemy have principality over your children through these viceful devices. And, and yet I love them for what they, they, can, uh, they can do for us. You have to use discernment. I FaceTimed this last week more than ever. Elizabeth was away visiting family and working. And let me just be honest with you, a, a little snapshot into men's group and what it means to be a real man, okay? I can, I can describe, um, here's how I am as a real man of God without uh, my best girl, without Elizabeth. Three words, pathetic. I know that's one word, but again, I, I'm making a point here. And so I'm FaceTiming with her. I'm FaceTiming with, uh, with other family members be, because I'm, I'm just pathetic because it's not good for man to be alone because we were created for sacred communion and sacred community and real men need brothers and real men need spiritual mothers and fathers and real men need their wives. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying we're at our best in, when we're in sacred community. So coming up in, in the month of October, it's family month, and we're just blowing it out for family month. And you're going to be hearing from me and from Pastor Sarah and Pastor William and from Pastor Andrew as we team preach throughout the month. You're going to see a family room and a kitchen table set up here on the platform, uh, platform just, just to really drive the point home that, that sacred communion and community began in the garden with the family of Adam and Eve and, 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 and the Heavenly Father and in sacred community begins. And we want to equip you as families and equip you uh, in, in your marriages. And so three challenges, by the way, that we're going to give you throughout the month. Um, the first one is a scripture challenge to read together as a family. One chapter of Proverbs a day for 31 days. There's 31 chapters. We challenge you to do this and see what it does. See what it sparks. See where it takes you in sacred community. The second one, the second one is this. We're going to challenge you to, are you sitting down? To eat together. I'm about to blow your minds. Device free. One time a day for 31 days. It may be a snack and it takes 10 minutes or, or I know this is nuts. I know this is crazy. This is so anti everything happening today, but, but you have supper together without devices and, and check this out. It's crazy. I know this is nuts a and you talk and stuff. I know. This is, this is gonna, but it's an experiment and just see, see what happens eating together as a family. It's called the family table. And, and then a date challenge. For those of you that are married, and by the way, those of you that are not, I'll explain. 
to actually go on a date once a week for four whole weeks. Some of you said, we've not gone out that much this year, this last decade. I hope that's not the truth. Date your spouse. Real men, gentlemen, real men court. Real men are still courting their best girls. Real men and women, they date. You say, I'm single. I'm, uh, I'm divorced. I'm, I'm widowed. What, what do I do? Um, do, do? Do you have kids? Do you have grandkids? Are you a single dad? Go on a daddy-daughter date. A mother-son. Go on a man date, Grandpa, with one of your grandkids. Take them away from the world. Again, device-free. I promise you, if you don't take 27 pictures of it, it really did still happen. And it's okay if nobody else in the world knows about it. God knows. He, he remembers. And, 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 and date your family. Get in. And you know what that is? That is called sacred communion. At least it provides the opportunity for you to have true sacred communion. And we're going to go there much deeper next week. Sacred communion. I keep using that word a lot. And some of you think, I don't think it means what you think it means. Um, we're going to go deeper next week, but, but here's what, sake, what I'm calling us to as the body of Christ is to have a, a deep awareness of Jesus and what He is doing in your life and in the life of your family, in your circle of influence, and in the life of the local body of Christ and to grow in that communion together. I want this so much for you. Then God is going to do something magnificent, incredible, surprising in your life and in the life of your family, in the life of his church. Thank you for joining us today at the Church at Bradenton podcast. We would love the opportunity to pray with you. Contact us through our website, tcab.church, and click the contact tab. Or email us at info at tcab.church. If you like the podcast and want more, don't forget to subscribe to get new content each week. And please, feel free to share it with others.